Well, we've got a panel this morning, and uh, we're going to ask some questions, and fantastic. Well, um, we've got these fine gentlemen on stage. I thought we'd just go through a couple of photos. Can we see them? That's, um, we're just looking here. It's Steve, you guys can look down here on the, on the big screen. Uh, we've got uh, Zach and uh, his kids, uh, Stu and the family. And uh, Matt, I did a bit of Facebook stalking, so I'm really hoping that's your family, actually. So, uh, yeah, is that good? No? That's your family. Awesome. Okay, we're going to kick off. We've got some questions. And uh, us, I sent these questions to the boys um, a little earlier. And I uh, thought I'd ask them some questions just to prepare them. Now, the question on the screen says, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? And uh, we've all had that moment, hey, what do I want to do when I grow up? We had two saying they wanted to be an all-black, one a firefighter, and someone said they're an assassin. Uh, <laughs> does anyone want to own up to the assassin? <laughs> Come on, Stu, you can own up. Do you want to talk us through why do you want to become an assassin? How's that going for you? I oscillated. I did oscillate right through my childhood. Um, I wanted to be a policeman or an assassin. Um, Where's one extreme to the other? Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the assassin was all about. Um, it's obviously something I can't talk about because there's an element of truth to it. Um, and um, it's probably best that, that we don't go into that in too much detail. Okay, okay. awesome. Okay, well, we'll move on to the next question. Uh, the next question was, uh, if you could go back to one day in your childhood, which day would it be and why? And uh, Zach, I thought I might throw to you on this one. Uh, yeah, I guess for me, um, probably uh, the last Christmas that we had together as a family. So I come from a big family um, and we're kind of spread out all over New Zealand and in Australia. And I think the last time we were together as a family, I, I think I was about, I don't know, 13. And my, my parents were still alive then, so wow. it was a good, good time. Heaps of food, plenty of food. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, Matt, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I just answered all of it, all of the childhood, because um, <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. He's given up on adulting. <laughs> he's yeah. throwing it in, he's going back. I'm, eight, I'm seven years into being a father, so, you know, with that comes all sorts of bills and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, looking after kids and things like that. So, No, I just really enjoyed, you know, not caring about anything. <laughs> <laughs> who, who remembers those days, hey? When you're a kid, like, you came home, dinner was on the table, the power, you know what I mean? You could just leave the lights on, no one cared. <laughs> And when you're an adult, it's a whole other ball game, isn't it? No one's, you've got to cook the meals and pay the power bill. And anyway, so that's good. Thanks, boys. Uh, I really like this one. I want to go through, if all four of you could answer this question, I'll go, uh, Stu, we'll go across the panel. Um, what song best describes the soundtrack of your life? Um, I, 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 Colin <laughs> Henderson must be somewhere here. Is Colin Henderson here? Yeah. Hate to embarrass you, mate. Just Colin Henderson's over there. So I, I was fortunate enough to grow up with Colin Henderson. And Colin had um, a guitar, and he loved to take his shirt off. And <laughs> in my childhood, especially my teenage years, was Colin trying to woo the girls by taking his shirt off and singing um, U2 from the cradle to the grave. And um, 
my, that's etched into my memory and, and it's hard to forget. It, it might even be an idea to get him up here to, to give it a go if we've got time. <laughs> Maybe next Father's Day we might book uh, Cole in. That'd be cool. But come on, you can own up. What's the real song to your life? Come on, you own, oh, own probably up. Probably Danger Zone. Danger, Danger Zone, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Any Top Gun fans out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. come on. Highway to the Danger Zone. coming out again soon, everybody. Yeah. Number two. Yeah. Very cool. Steve? Um, there's a Swedish house mafia song that, that I really love and it's, it's got a cool chorus. Uh, it says, my father said, don't you worry, don't you worry child. See, heaven's got a plan for you. Awesome. I love that. So good, so good. That's cool, that's cool. Okay, Matt. Oh, I just, um, Mattel, oh, sorry. <laughs> Wrong church. Nah. Um, I just wrote, I just said, anything, any summer tracks, so I can't really put any song to it or just something that, you know, okay, out on the vibes. deck, yeah, got the sun summertime. out, got, the, got a cup of tea in your hand. And... <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping this a very family-rated service, aren't we? It was awesome. Okay, Zach, what about uh, you? Yeah, growing up, I was a bit of a Boyz II Men fan, so um, thank you by Boyz II Men. Oh, very yeah. cool. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, um, here's a good question. What's your favourite memory of your dad? And I think all, th all four of you got some great uh, things around this. Um, Zach, I'll start with you. Uh, okay, just a disclaimer. Um, I don't condone violence, um, or, um, and I'm not an angry person. Um, so when I was 12 years old, um, uh, I, I, there was a German kid at school, and, I, and he, was, he was bullying everyone, so I, I kind of walked up to him and punched him in the face. And, uh, and it was a Christian school, by the way, and my dad, my dad was on the board, and he was, the, the principal was his, one of his best friends, and so he, he had to come out, of school, uh, come out of work to pick me up from, from school, and I was, so I was probably more scared about that than anything else, and so he had to chat with the, the principal, and then he'd take me home, so I hop in the car, and we're driving home, and he's like, you all good? And I'm like, uh, yep, yep, I'm all good, and he's like, How's, how's the boy? I was like, oh yeah, I think he's all good. He's like, and then he kind of goes silent. And with a cheeky smile on his face, he goes, did you get him a good one? <laughs> I don't know, that's just the, we laughed and. And as a result, we run a Stop the Ball program by Revolution Tour, doing amazing work in high schools, actually. We're doing the most amount of tours this year that we've ever done, so. Just to balance that out. And Matt. <laughs> Um, yeah, mine was not as cool as that one, <laughs> as your dad, but um, he just, dad just used to always do everything really properly and thoroughly, right. like um, cleaning up and stuff, and yeah. we used to have chores as kids, I'll just quickly, and um, just to try and story top, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we used to have chores and we had to do them in the morning, you know, like sweep the that, vacuum the house, build the church, no. And um, he, he um, just, there was a, like a couple of occasions where he didn't do the chores properly and he, yeah. he wouldn't let us go to school <laughs> until wow. we had done it like again and again and just check it and nah. nah. How many people want to be in Matt's family right now? Like, man, well, I would have, that would have been awesome. Yeah. So that's a real fond memory that dad's. <laughs> Steve. Uh, when I was about 11 or 12, um, I did a couple of Herald paper runs in the morning. Um, 
people who remember what a newspaper was. Um, back in the day, one used to get delivered to your letterbox. Um, and so six mornings a week, uh, my alarm was about 5.30 a.m., um, which, is, which is good uh, good practice for packing, although that's a bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, an enduring memory of mine is that every day when I got up at 5.30 in the morning, my dad was up already reading his Bible. And I think later on in life, that probably had more of an impact on me than, than at the time, but that's just what he was doing every morning. Um, and um, whenever the weather was looking a bit dodge, whenever there was some showers about, Dad would always say, hey, do you want me to take you around the paper run? And I'm like, yeah, of course, man. Uh, so Dad would get the Ford Cortina station wagon out of the garage. And, um, and, and we'd go and pick up the papers, and then the, the boot would be up. I'd be sitting in the, in the back there with a pile of papers next to me, and Dad would just drive me around the paper run. I'd jump out of the back and put the papers in the letterbox. And, um, and th that would have happened probably a dozen, couple of dozen times um, in the few years that I did the paper run. So that was a real sacrifice from Dad, 5.30 in the morning, getting up to help his kid around the paper run and just spend time together. So good memory. That's pretty cool. I'm originally from Australia, so... Oh, you give a hand for his dad, yeah. Originally from Australia, so we would have had to move the Cortina to get to the Tirana, to back out the Commodore, to get to the Escort. Anyway. A uh, cool, cool memory I have of my dad uh, when I was probably about 12 and we were away camping um, and there was a sea of tents, all the cousins and friends and whatnot. And I was on the 40-hour famine and they were cooking sausages and things. Um, yeah, it's probably not that ethical. But um, dad told me to go to the tent and I went to the tent and he arrived five minutes later with some sausages on a plate. Oh. <laughs> and I always thought that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Wow. I still collected the donations. <laughs> oh my goodness. There we go. Um, okay, Matt, uh, what's the best advice your dad ever gave you? Oh, yeah. Oh, just. Lefty Lucy, righty tidy. Come on, come on. <laughs> How many dads have passed that on to their kids? Yeah, yeah. When you're trying to undo a bolt, lefty Lucy, righty tidy. No. Okay, awesome. Um, Zach? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, um, I was 12 years old when my, my father passed away, and, um, and he wasn't a very uh, wordy person at home. Um, so a lot of the advice that I got from my dad was just, just through his actions rather than his words. Yeah. And um, I think um, as a kid growing up, our, our house was always full of people, whether it was my friends, uh, you know, people from church, um, extended family. And one of the things that dad told me was to, that uh, it's not enough to, to, to say that you love people uh, with your words, that you actually have to show it with your actions. Um, and so, you know, like as a kid, we, we always had like even just people that didn't have a place to stay for you know the week, and and I used to like this sounds sad, but I used to hate it as a kid because it meant that I have to I would have to sleep on the floor. Wow! Uh, but it actually did teach me um, just a lot about loving people. Awesome, so good, so good, Stu. What about you? Yeah, my dad was was still is the hardest working person that I know. Wow! Um, and he, just not by saying anything, but by modelling, yeah. he's taught me how to work hard. And um, he had a great saying, um, and it was, "If a job's worth doing, it's worth doing properly." Yeah, good. And if there's one thing I can say about my dad, that if he does something, he does it properly. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool, Steve. Uh, best advice my dad gave me was to trust God. 
Um, he led me to Jesus when I was a youngster, probably about seven or eight, and I still remember the occasion. And, um, and ever since then, right through my teenage years, he was a, a constant source of encouragement to me in my spiritual walk. Awesome. Incredible. Incredible. Now, the next question is one of my favorite questions, and I want to see a show of hands. Uh, have you ever lost a child? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, uh, Steve, maybe you just share your story. Yeah, when my kids were about, uh, I think, 12, 10, and 7, um, decided it'd be a real fun adventure to take them on the train into um, the centre of town. There was a World Triathlon Championship race on, and so we spent a few hours just stooging around the, the centre, um, finding various vantage points to watch them swimming or, or cycling or running. And I uh, was just crowds everywhere. Um, got to the end of the end of the race, and we were we were heading down Queen Street towards the train station, and about around Shortland Street, um, bumped into some people from work. So I stopped and having a good yarn with them. Um, probably only a minute, but uh, turned around and uh oh, the little guy's gone. And uh, it's like it's only been a minute. He can't have gone far. So we're sort of checking around the vicinity, but he just was not anywhere. And uh, so I start panic starts to rise. Um, I'm not sure whether it was panic about actually having lost the kid or having to go home and say to Kelly, <laughs> I've lost the little one. Uh, but me and Liv and Tom, we expanded our search radius and we just spread to try and find him and we could not find him. Um, and it was probably about a quarter of an hour later that um, one of the kids found him right down by the train station. So he just, we were walking down Queen Street and we stopped and he just carried on walking, realised he was lost, talked to a stranger, and he's like, oh, I think I'm catching a train. So the stranger takes him all the way down to the train station. And eventually we found him. I'm like, oh, oh thank you, Lord. Anybody feeling really anxious right now? Like, you know, like you're just like, oh, my goodness. But at least you know the story ends well. Um, <laughs> Stu, you had a funny one. What was yours? Uh, funny. Um, <laughs> what, uh, in hindsight. Yeah, in hindsight. hindsight. Uh, so um, as a family, we went to Hayden's school production. And it was on a Wednesday night in the middle of winter. Um, we went, we did what parents do and sat through it and then said, that's awesome, <laughs> you're great. And uh, Anyway, then we, um, we'd come in two separate cars, so we jumped in our cars, drove home. Um, kids were brushing their teeth, um, getting into bed, and we had a phone call. And I said, oh my gosh, it's, it's Hayden's teacher. Um, oh, hello. Oh, hi. Hi, Mr. Shutt. Um, have you forgotten something? <laughs> And we're looking at each other, no, no, I don't think so, no, 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 we're all good here, we go, oh, okay, okay, it's nine o'clock at night in winter, just come outside and found Hayden sitting under a tree in the, in the car park. <laughs> yeah, not our finest moment, and uh, we've actually been meaning to book him in with Caroline for some counselling. <laughs> yeah, I remember once being in a, uh, a big shopping centre and hearing, is there a Matt Gregory? Uh, out there. Is there Matt Gregory still shopping? And I was like, man, there's another person in this place called Matt Gregory. What's the chances of that? Yeah, we've got your lost boy. Anyway, um, what's one thing that you would love to pass on to your kids? Zach? Um, I, th I think one thing that's probably important for every parent is just to, I want my kids to grow up um, being uh, proud of who they are. Yeah. and to be courageous and just to give everything a go. Um, and that's one thing that I'm always telling my kids, is just to, whether it's at church or at school, yeah. um, you know, the, Dylan, both Dylan and Riley, they're in the Kapahaka team at, at school, and so I'm like, don't be shy, give it a go, um, you know. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Matt? Yeah, probably just all the 
musical and <laughs> musical genius. <laughs> nah, um, yeah, we, Laura and I are both quite keen to have our kids be really kind to people right. and show compassion and, um, so yeah, but that, that's us as parents, but probably for me, just maybe a bit of humour, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Great. I just like to, I like to sort of do things well as well, so, yeah. Very good. Steve? Um, for me, the most important thing was um, to introduce my kids to God, um, but specifically to God the Father. Um, I think we know that people relate to God the Father initially through the lens of their earthly dad. Mm. So if they've got an earthly dad that's kind of distant or disengaged, then, then people's first attitude to God the Father is that he's a distant God, he's far off, or, or if or if their earthly dad is, is kind of unpredictable or, or, or easily angered that they'll assume that, that God is, is a kind of angry God who's ready to pounce on them. Um, so for me, it was a real, um, a real responsibility and a privilege to try and model God the Father as best I could to my kids to try and help them to meet him in the most real way. Um, so when I became a dad, I... Um, decided that I wanted to learn as much as I could from the ultimate dad and to try and model that and reflect that to my kids. Um, so some of the things that I'd read in the Bible that really impacted me was how much God the Father said he loved us, his kids. Um, the Bible is just full of God's love, God's love, God's love. It's just relentless. And so that's something that I um, try and say to my kids and, and show them um, repeatedly is how much I love them. Um, some other things that God the Father's like, he's... Um, He's generous with them, and he encourages us mm. as his children, so I try and encourage my kids. Um, he's, he's protective of us as his kids, and I try and protect my kids as well. Um, and, and another thing, God really prioritizes us, and he makes time for us, um, and I think that's a really important thing for dads and kids is to, is to make time for them. Um, my kids often come to me with something they want to tell me or show me, and I'm busy and I've got work on or, or I'm wanting to relax, but I try and just put aside from what I'm doing and turn around and actually engage with them, and that's what, that's, that's what God's like with us. You know, when we approach him, he, he gives us his full attention. You know, he's, he's got a will to run, but actually he's got time for each of us um, individually. And, um, and so that's um, been a real privilege for me to, to just try and help them to relate to God the Father um, in, in as real way as, as they can. Very cool. Awesome, Stu. Yeah, um, I think for my kids, I mean, all of the above. Um, but, um, but also that um, God's got your back, that life will throw you curveballs. There yep. will be ups, there will be downs, but God won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He's there, he's with you, awesome. and he'll get you through it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so good, so good. Okay, we're on this, uh, just last couple of questions. So what's the most important thing your kids have taught you? And we might just quickly work back. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, for me, it's the unconditional love of God. Wow, um, that's cool. I really struggled before kids to understand how God can love us when we're naughty. You know, right. how, how, how can you sin and God love you just as much as the next person who's not sinning? And, and, and there's this whole thing I, I struggled with. And having kids now for, well, my baby's bigger than me now, um, I, I've really learned that it doesn't matter what they do, I love them just as much, whether so they tidy great. their room, whether they get their laundry in the laundry basket. Um, it, it, it makes no difference to how much I love them. 
and it helps yeah. me understand how God loves us. Yeah, so good. Awesome. Steve? Uh, well, my, my kids have taught me when my attempts at teenage slang are like way out of date. <laughs> Liv's like, Dad, you can't say amazeballs. That, that was like, that was uncool years ago. Thanks, Liv. I've got no control what comes out over the microphone, AK, okay? just putting it out there. <laughs> awesome. Um, no, actually flying on from what Stu said, uh, my kids taught me um, something about what God the Father's like. It's kind of related to my, um, what I was saying previously. Um, it's easy for us to think of God the Father as, as like we're as adult children, and so we need what adult kids need from, from their dad, you know, maybe wisdom or, or security. Um, but when my kids were little, it was just incredible how affectionate we were with each other, how much rough and tumble we'd have just on the floor rolling around, how affectionate, how, um, how embracing, how fiercely protective I was of them. And, and that gave me an insight as to what God the Father's like. Um, he's, um, he, he gets down to our level. Um, he's like the, prodig the father in the prodigal son story. He threw his arms around his son. And, and that's what like, I'm like with my kids when they're three and five. We're just so, um, so wholly embracing, just as little kids with, with a dad. And, and, and God put that in my heart. He put that in our hearts um, because that's what's in his heart. He, he loves us in a way a dad loves little kids as well as, as, well as adult kids. Yeah, yeah, cool. Matt? Um, yeah, I, I just felt when having kids, because I'm quite laid back, as you probably can tell, and um, I just, when the kids came along, there's just a bit of the the heart of a protector that sort of rose up within me and protector, you know, like obviously in the natural and things and, and um, but just to protect them from, you know, just the plan of the enemy and, and things like that and, and, and even, you know, in a way protecting them in the natural can sometimes be not good, if, if that makes sense. But trying to encourage them to do their, their own thing and make their own mistakes and um, and things like that and, you know, to, to grow them and shape their character a, a bit more and um, just, yeah, I've, I've, I never knew, I suppose it's all the same for every father, but I didn't really have that protector thing until the kids came along, so it was, it's quite cool, eh? just make you feel like a bit of a man and, yeah. What about when Laura came along? Just, he's a great protector of his wife. <laughs> awesome, Zach. Just <laughs> um, uh, move along, move along. Um, for, for me, um, I think um, one thing that I love about my kids, and I think we all do as well, is that they're all different and they're all very unique. And they've taught me that um, love looks like a lot of different things. It's not just one thing. Um, and we've had to really think in about how we talk differently to each of the kids, the way that we encourage them, the way that we, um, you know, discipline techniques. Nah. Um, but, you know, the way that we discipline each of them, it's, it's, it's quite different. Um, and I, I know for, you know, especially for our middle boy, Riley, he's quite different to the other two. He's quite emotional. He's quite a words boy. And we... We had to like, and you know, I'm constantly praying for the kids' leaders here to give them wisdom and patience for my son. But you know, he's that kind of boy, and we've just had to think about the way that we, we talk to him. Um, yeah, just encourage him. Very cool. Well, we're going to wrap up the panel. Why don't you give these? Why don't you give a big round of applause to these gentlemen? They've done an amazing job.
so good. I just uh, thought I'd pick up on a theme uh, that we talked to a little bit earlier, and that was this question, what is the soundtrack to your life? What's the soundtrack to your life? Some of you right now probably got a song in your head you can recall, it might be the ringtone on your phone, but what's the soundtrack to your life? And I thought, the only thing I can sort of speak from is my own journey, my own experience. So for those of you who don't know me very well, uh, I'm originally from Australia, so please right now don't hold that against me. Uh, work with me, and if I say a few words wrong, come on, you, God will give you grace. And uh, I'm the youngest of six kids. I'm born in a very small country town, and uh, I grew up in an interesting ho home uh, where my mum suffered with uh, very severe depression. She was in and out of psych hospitals all my life, and uh, the first few years of my life, I was raised by my elder sister, who was 16 at the time. And then what happened was, uh, you know, you get this soundtrack. And when you grow up in a, in a, a sort of a poorer family, you dream of lots of things when you don't have much stuff. And this is me uh, as a teenager. Look at those locks. Look at those locks. Pretty fine hair back then. And, uh, oh, man. And the soundtrack to my life was Jimmy Barnes' Working Class Man. Yep, still working hard to make a living, bringing shelter from the rain. Father, son, letting carry on, blue denims in my back. Anyway, so, you know, the danger is then we start to work hard and we make it all about performing. And I just, when you got nothing, you want stuff. And I wrestled with materialism as a young guy for years and years. In fact, when I was in high school, I actually worked three jobs in the one day over the school holidays. True story, this is how driven I was. Uh, I would get up, I'd go to the um, local newsagent, 5.30 a.m., I would do 5.30 to 7, that would all be papers and paper rounds and bits and pieces. From 9 a.m. to 4 o'clock, I'd then go work with the groundskeeper at the high school. And that's how I learned how to do concreting, paving, built pergolas, uh, landscaping, all sorts of stuff. And then I'd run home, have a, or ride my bike home, and then I'd uh, ride my bike home, 5 o'clock till 10 o'clock, I was in the fresh fr uh, produce department at New World. And because... Uh, when you're from a, a poor family, you just want to change life, don't you? You want to change those circumstances. Now, what happened was, at the age of 17, I had a massive guide encounter. I'm going to fast-track a whole lot of my life, uh, just for the sake of time. And at uh, age of 17, I was a little bit wild. I was sneaking home. I, was, I was, grew up in a Christian home. We were about to go. We traveled to church every Sunday. And I was sneaking home at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning, and I had this massive guide encounter. Huge guide encounter. Now, I know you, you might think I'm a little bit crazy, but that's okay. I hear a voice that says, Matt, you're not hot. You're not cold. You're in the middle. You make me sick. Oh, my goodness. The fear of God hits me. In fact, I come to learn it was this passage from Revelation. It says, I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you're one or the other, but since you're lukewarm... Uh, you're not hot or cold, I want to spit you out of my mouth. I'm like, oh man, the fear of God hit me. And I prayed a prayer literally on the spot. Father, forgive me. I'll do whatever you ask of me, whatever it takes. And that began the journey of trying to change the soundtrack of my life. When I went all in for Jesus, when I went hard for the gospel. In fact, I finished high school. I relocated town to a church where my family would travel to church. Now, on that journey, I wasn't perfect at 17, 
And I still had a lot of things that God had to change in my life and, and transform. There was a lot of things I had to lay down. I had to die to my career as a rock star. I had to lay that down. I had to lay down my French meme acting skills. And that uh, was a career choice at one point. I also laid down my shoe shining job. Uh, I love acting. And there was a serious moment in my life I nearly went uh, to do acting. I gave up my professional boxing career. <laughs> and I also gave up the, going to the gym trying to look like that guy. And, uh, and there were a lot of things I laid down for the gospel. And I began to change the soundtrack of my life. Because I don't want to be hot. I, I do want to be hot, sorry. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Recall that one back. I want to be hot for Jesus. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be in the middle. I don't want to be half in, half out. I don't want to be hot one week, cold the next. I want to be all out for Jesus. And so what is the soundtrack of your life? For me, I had to still wrestle through a lot of things. I was a bit like Madonna. I was a material girl living in a material world. I was still struggling with things that were materialistic in my life. And there came a point uh, where God actually... Uh, you know, dealt with some things in my heart and I gave it up. And in fact, when we relocated from Australia to New Zealand to come over to be part of church, we literally gave up a lot of things so it could all fit the shipping container. So it's not hard now to give up stuff. Some of you might remember the soundtrack of Aqua. I'm a Barbie girl. <laughs> Life is fantastic. It's all plastic. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You know, the other thing I used to struggle with the soundtrack was comparison. Uh, I had a great friend. I'm a bit competitive by nature, so it gets a bit dangerous every now and then. I've got to rein it all back in. And I had a friend who bought a Marshall guitar amp. Guess what I went out and did? I bought the model up. <laughs> but the problem is we live these fake lies, these plastic lies, these lies we're putting on masks to look like we've got it all together, but secretly we're dying on the inside. Sometimes like you, I've been a little bit like you too. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I don't know if you've got that soundtrack going on, but there's good news if you're here today, and that if you're saying that's my life, come on, Jesus really is the answer to what you're looking for. And that's what I love about the men who are up here on stage, opening up their hearts, sharing their lives, is that they found Jesus, and with the help of Christ, they're making a difference. You know when you try your best and you don't succeed? <laughs> Sorry. I'm probably having way more fun than you are. <laughs> I love Coldplay. And, uh, but I don't know about you, I've had a lot of times in my life, I just try too hard. <laughs> Why? Because I've been trying to win the approval of other people. You know, the danger, that soundtrack of performance, that soundtrack that you just got to keep getting another accolade, another achievement, another qualification. And then there's the one that we all sing every now and then, sorry, honey, is it? too late now to say sorry. When you forget to do the dishes, when you forget to do the laundry, when you don't do stuff. And I don't know, you might have made a mess of your life, but it's not too late to say sorry. It's never too late. Even if you're from a family that's not even talking at the moment, can I tell you, it's not too late. It's never too late to say sorry. So what is the soundtrack of your life? I like this one thought. It says, when you encounter Jesus, the sound of your life should change. When you encounter Jesus, the sound of your life should change. Before Jesus, man, what was the sound of your life like before Jesus? For some, it might be moaning, complaining, whinging, the sound of offense, 
the sound of hurt, the sound of loneliness, the sound of bitterness, the sound of isolation. But once you've encountered Jesus, come on, the sound of your life should change. So you should become a light in a dark world because Christ in you is the hope of glory. Come on, Christ in you is the answer to what this world needs. And when you've got Jesus on the inside, man, the sound of praise should come out. The sound of faith should come out. Come on, the sound of hope should come out. The sound of life should come out of you because of the Holy Spirit in you. Now I went to Google. Google never lies. I looked up Zacchaeus in the Bible, and I thought, what did he look like? And this came up. Now Zacchaeus, before he, found, before he encountered Jesus, he was a tax collector. He was a scoundrel. He probably looked a little bit like this. He was up, and then one day the Bible says he was up in a tree trying to get a good look at Jesus. And he has this one encounter with Jesus, and that changes the course of his life forever. And it also changed the soundtrack of his life forever. The Bible goes on and says this, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord, and he said, I'll give half of my wealth to the poor. And, the, and Lord, if I've cheated people of their taxes, I'll give back four times as much. That's a different sound on the other side of Jesus. Come on, that's a different sound. It's like Jesse J. It's no longer about the money. <laughs> so I'll let you catch up on that one. Anyway, what about Mary? Mary of Bethany. This is Mary Martha Lazarus. Her sound of her life changed drastically after encountering Jesus. It says this. It says, Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. Let's just pretend that's beautiful. Nard doesn't sound like a beautiful word to me. I don't know about you, nard, lard. It all kind of sounds gross, but they tell me it was very, very expensive in the Bible. And, uh, and then she started to anoint Jesus' feet, wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with this amazing fragrance. See, once she encountered Jesus, her life suddenly became an amazing fragrance that fills the room. Hey, question for you, the soundtrack of your life. There's a sound coming out of you right now. What is that sound? Is it a sound when you walk in the room, people go, man, it's good to have you here. Is it a sound when you walk in the room, it brings an amazing fragrance that just fills the place. And people go, man, what's different about you? Well, Jesus, Jesus is what's different. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray Jesus, he said, wow, that perfume was worth a year's wage and it should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Now, Judas's heart wasn't pure. In fact, Judas was pocketing a bit on the side and he was taking a bit for himself. He's taking a cut. And so he acts all righteous, but the sound coming out of him revealed the motive of his heart. And it was very different. Now, this is a photo of the beloved disciple John. You've got to trust me that these are accurate. <laughs> Instagram wasn't around back then, so it was a bit hard to find his profile photo. But the disciple John, he would have been like the fifth beetle, because he was singing this message, all you need is love. All you need is love. And he, he wrote so much about love. And the sound of his life was amazing. He said, if anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. Whoa, John just went a bit deep. And he says, he says this, he says, uh, if he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command that we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God 
includes loving people, and you've got to love both. Wow, so John changes. John, this is John. So John is like a fisherman. He's the kind of guy that on the journey of following Jesus, he's like, God, can we pray down fire from heaven? Can we destroy the city? They're not responding. And he goes through, John would have had all these rough edges. And then he gets to this, he writes these most amazing passages that the world will know that we follow Jesus because of our love for one another. Just quickly, the Apostle Paul, amazing man of God, is probably singing this song, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You can never keep me down. That was probably the soundtrack to Paul's life. He wrote this. He said, uh, I love this account of Paul and Silas around midnight. They were praying. They were singing out Equipper's Revolution songs to God. And, and they were, with the other prisoners, were listening. And then suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. And the doors immediately flew open. Come on, and chains of prisons fell off. Does the sound of your life, when you get around other people, does it make the chains fall off? See, your life, when you walk into a room, your life, when you go to work, go to university, go to high school, go to school, should be a sound that breaks chains off people's lives. Why? Because Christ in you is the answer. Christ in you is the hope. Come on, the Holy Spirit in you is what you have. And you've got it to make a difference. Apostle Paul said, and this is why he could say that. This, was, this is why he could say, I get knocked down, but I get up again. He said, I've learned how to be content, whatever I have. He says, I know how to live with almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach, empty, plenty, little, for I can do everything through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. He's writing this under house arrest. I don't know about you, but what's the sound of your life when you're going through trials? What's the sound of your life when you're going through hardship? He says, I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped uh, times without number. He, he lost count. He said, I faced death again five different times. Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. That's like with a whip across his back. He was beaten with rods. They threw stones at him. He said, three times I was shipwrecked, and I spent a whole night adrift at sea. And he goes on to say, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles I suffer for Christ. And he writes this amazing line, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. In your weakness right now, Jesus gives you strength. Come on, lean in, change the soundtrack of your life. So what's the soundtrack of your life? What is it? What is the sound coming out of you right now? I just wonder whether we're majoring on minors in some cases and minoring on majors. And I know that's a bit of a play on musical terminology, but if your life is all heavy, dark, minor chords, depressive, come on, Christ in you is the hope. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives you strength. All the dads in the room, you're not your father. You don't need to keep repeating the soundtrack of previous generations. 
You can change that today because Jesus is the answer. And for all the mums in the room, you're not your mother. Every generation gets a fresh start. Every day is a blank page that you can write a whole new verse, chapter, chorus. If you need a breakthrough, put a bridge in. Write a bridge in. Raise a hallelujah. Do something. Change the soundtrack of your life.